Hello and welcome to The Writer's Mindset with me, Ellie Betts. Christina is fine and well. We just have a little something extra for you this month. It's a really lovely section where Sasha Black talks about managing writing uh, and sometimes procrastinating whilst also raising her son and the importance of spending time with him and setting an example. I hope you enjoy. Today I am joined by the amazing and multi-talented Sasha Black. Sasha, welcome to The Writer's Mindset. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, You know I love chatting to you, so this is a real honour to be here. I'm excited. We've got lots to cover. So before we get started, just for anyone who hasn't heard of you before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yep. So I am an author of both nonfiction for writers, the writing craft, looking at characters, prose, all of that good stuff. And then I am also an author of fantasy, currently got a a young adult fantasy, and I'm working on some adult fantasies as well. And I am the host of the Next Level Authors uh, podcast jointly with Dan uh, Wilcox. And I have my own show, the Rebel Author podcast, uh, which is also another weekly show and where else can I tell you I'm a speaker uh, a general rebel I swear a lot <laughs> am I allowed to swear here or should I be good I don't know yeah you're allowed to swear okay lot, cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. a general <laughs> deviant I would say uh yeah so that's me so you've got a young child and you do all this stuff for the alliance of independent authors and you do two podcasts and you write your books like how do you juggle all of these things without going completely insane Maybe you are insane, insane. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I went insane a little while ago, not going (laughs) to lie. There is no good answer to this. And the honest answer, which nobody's going to like, is that um, I just try to live in the moment of that moment. Because if I don't, what happens is I feel like I'm failing everyone and everything. And I know that's not a very positive thing to say, but it is a very true thing to say. Um, I think any person who has responsibilities, be they a dog or they're a guardian or they foster kids or they have a job or, you know, you have elderly parents to look after or whatever that responsibility may be. The minute you have a second thing that you have to do, you are always going to feel like you're being pulled in multiple directions. And when I'm writing, I feel like I'm failing my kid. When I'm with my kid, I feel like I'm failing my business. You know, so I don't think that like mindset wise, there is a panacea. All you can do is try to give your best to whatever it is that you are doing in the time block at that time Um, and know that ultimately if you have to choose choose to spend more time with the people than the things or the work because you know kids grow fast like if we're talking about kids specifically I can't believe he you know he's seven and a half already like the time is flying and I can already see that he is less reliant on me and you know, that hurts because I, you know, he's my baby. He'll always be my baby. But also, you know, I am very, very fucking hungry and I want this career and I want this business. And I'm constantly trying to juggle that burning desire to work harder, work longer with that 
fear of him growing up and leaving one day and me not having spent enough time with him. So I don't I don't think there is a good answer. What I try to do in terms of that juggle is to book things in my diary. So I book activities for us to do where we can make memories. I book um I book like play dates. I book um you know I try and have a day with him. I had a day with him on Sunday it was just me and him and you know we didn't do a lot. You know we played a bit of switch, we played some board games and but actually they're memories. Um and then I try to also be strict with my time. So we I've implemented this new thing and I can talk about this more if you want me to talk about some tips but um I now get up at seven, which is really painful because I'm a night owl. Um, and I sit for one hour and I write clean new words, like regardless of what I'm editing or what other projects I, I have on five days a week, I spend one hour writing new words. And it is hard for him to recognize that he cannot come in my office and he's still, you know, and I've been doing it for two or three weeks now. And even still this morning, he came in twice and I, and I just say to him, look, this is writing time. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll come back at eight. Good, you do that. You know, so you just, I have to try and guard the time that I've got and then guard the time I have with him. Yeah. Yeah, both sets of time are precious and there's no point in trying to do both at the same time. I remember talking to someone who has a couple of kids about it and she said that a lot of the people she's spoken to who do have kids put their kids first at the detriment of themselves so they will always sacrifice their writing, their mental health, their time, their energy and then they've got nothing left for their writing as if like they're afraid to ask someone whether that's a partner or a relative or a friend to babysit for half an hour so that they've got that time for themselves. I yeah I remember listening to a podcast by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote uh, Big Magic and she also wrote the very famous Eat Pray Love and she I think it was one of the episodes where she was talking to someone else who was a mum and basically either she said it or this person said it. I think it was this person because I see this person was a mum and she's not but um what the woman said is if you want me to love you to the best of my ability you have to let me love myself to my best ability. And that means I have to write. You have to give me, you have to allow me to go and write. And then once I've done that, I can love you better. I can I can be a better parent. I can be a better mum. And I definitely feel like that. And getting that one hour of new words first thing in the morning, even though I fucking hate mornings, means that when I then go and sort breakfast or make him put socks on or make him clean his teeth and I'm I can be a hundred percent present there for him um and I'm not worrying about the computer and I feel like I've achieved something and I feel like I'm making progress towards my goals and that's my time in the morning um so yeah I completely completely get that yeah I think it's in lifelong writing habit Chris Fox recommends getting up and just writing first thing in the morning before you've done anything else and mm. I have to admit I'm terrible for that. I hate mornings. I have really lazy mornings, usually where I'll eat breakfast and have a Westie hug and watch telly for a bit. And I do need to get my arse into gear a bit more, but I'm starting to exercise. That's my way of getting moving because I hate exercising. So if that's done, I immediately feel better and more able to focus. And I've found like it mm -hmm. helps with my energy levels and it helps with the brain fog that comes with fibromyalgia. So mm -hmm. you've got to find what works for you and carving out that time like it is precious and I think we forget how precious our time and our energy is oh, I couldn't agree more yeah yeah definitely um so 
Oh yeah, I remembered what I was going to ask now. I had a question that went out of my head and it's just come back. Do you feel like when you're doing this writing and building your business, do you almost feel like you're also setting an example for your son about what he can achieve for his life? One billion percent. He is the reason that I am doing what I am doing because um, I... Well, I'm trying not to get too deep and meaningful now. I, my mum was a single parent as a kid and I saw her work her ass off to keep us. And it was so inspiring in a way that as a six-year-old, I couldn't really explain. I couldn't explain what it was that I was seeing or why it was inspiring or why it was having an effect. And I don't think you really necessarily know that that's what it's doing, but, um, I I definitely saw how hard my mum worked and I hope that that is what Atlas sees. But I also hope that he sees that if you have a dream, it is possible to make that dream come true and that, you know, life is too short to be in a job that you hate. And when I got pregnant, that was a real short, sharp reminder that I did not want to bring my child into this world at, because I was miserable in my day job. I didn't want my child to see that. I didn't want my child to think that you have to do a job just because it's going to pay you well or just because that's what society thinks you should do. Um, and so, yeah, like I teach my son now about entrepreneurial things I talk to him about branding he's seven the kid understands branding like he's gonna be That's a so cool. diamond businessman right like but this is the thing like so many of us are taught by society that you go to school you go to college people who are clever or privileged get to go to university and then you go and get a corporate job and you have 2.4 children and you have a dog and you have a suburban nightmare house fuck that right Amen. there are so many different jobs out there so many different ways you can fulfill your life and i want my kid to know that and i want him to see that and i want him to believe that it's possible because he's seen that it's possible and so yeah like that was a bit of a long-winded answer but absolutely <laughs> no i love that i think that's super inspiring and i completely agree I can remember a few years ago, I had a conversation with a bunch of my female friends and colleagues, and I said to them, what values were instilled in you growing up? And nearly all of them said, consciously or subconsciously, family and relatives said, have you got a boyfriend? Oh, when are you getting married? When are you going to have babies? It was drilled into them that because they were female, that's what they mm -hmm. should attain for in their life. And it baffles me. I'm really lucky. I'm like you. I came from a single parent family. And my mum and nan taught me that I should put myself and my goals first. And if someone comes along who supports that, that's great. And if they don't, then at least I have got my career to fall back on. And I actually ended up doing things backwards and I found someone supportive first. But I am still, I still have those goals and I'm still working towards them. And some of my biggest supporters are my mum and my boyfriend and my nan when she was alive as well. And that does mm -hmm. make a difference.
Absolutely. It really does. I feel, like, I feel a bit emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Which is meaningful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Going back to then the time management stuff. Yeah. What would you say your top time management tips are? Okay. So the first thing is to get comfortable with experimentation. I think what one thing that people do is they get into a routine and then they think that that routine is going to work for them forever. And I think one of the biggest reality shocks and realizations uh, around that was COVID and everybody's routines got fucked. And even for us who, uh, you know, work at home all day, we then had people in our house, you know, you, you couldn't. So experimentation, sometimes we get blocked or sometimes we have brain fog or sometimes we, you know, these things happen and the methods and systems and processes that we used to use no longer work. And it's really uncomfortable to try new things, but you've got to try the new things, okay? You have to experiment. The second thing that I would say is to understand what your personal strengths are. Are, you know, what has worked for you in the past? Try that because I think a lot of us have this tendency to try and fix something that isn't actually broken. Like if writing at night works for you, write at night. No one's going to tell you off. It's okay if you want to write at night, you know. <laughs> I suppose that's more so for those of us who, you know, or for those people who still have day jobs, perhaps writing at night is the only time you get. Or, you know, if you're a morning person, write in the morning, like just get up and write. Do what, do whatever works for you. I think, um, now there are things called strengths, so like Clifton strengths, which I'm studying quite a lot at the moment. For those that don't know, uh, sometimes they're called Gallup, sometimes they're called like Clifton strengths. Um, but I am studying them hardcore at the moment. And you basically get your top five or your top ten. There's 34 different strengths. Everybody has all of them in a different order. Your strengths are basically like your superpowers. So I am capitalizing on my personal strengths. So uh, I'm gonna give you a worked example. Um, previously, so my number one strength is competition. Um, I also have achiever, which means I get a, I have a very big capacity to have a lot of things on my plate, like naturally, not everybody naturally has that capacity. Um, and another one of my strengths at number eight, just looking at my little poster with the wall on, is focus, right? So focus essentially, um, works very well with one goal, one focus that you then tunnel vision and you charge like a juggernaut towards that goal. So I took all of those strengths and looked at what I was doing and how I was structuring my time. And I had a conversation with my dad and previously my goal, my sole goal always, regardless of what projects or books I'm trying to publish, was to earn X amount of pounds. And my dad said something to me that shook my world. And he was like, if you want to earn money, why don't you go and be a banker in London? And I was like, whoa, like this was like a revelation to me. Um, he was like, you don't want to be a banker. You don't really like, yes, you want to earn money, but that's not really your goal. Your goal is to create more right? So we are creatives. We want more books. We want to publish more things, help more people, create more stories, create more courses, whatever it is that you want to do. You want to produce more. And I, I felt like there was this physical shift in my body as I had came to this realization. 
what that's done is enabled me to focus my time in a completely different way. So now what I do is I I use a method of time blocking. And the biggest change for me is um, how I use that time block. So everybody you know, knows what time blocks are. You set aside an amount of time and you do work in that time. What I used to do was I'd block two hours and I'd be like, I'm going to write this book. And then I'd get to the end of that two hours and I'd be like, oh, well, I, I need to write um, the book that's going to create me the most money or um, so I'm just going to do some extra extra things in that. And so I was very money focused. But what he said is that money follows production. And it's so, so true. You can't earn more money unless you are producing more. So what I do now is I have changed those blocks. And when that block of time is finished, I stop which is a revelation. Usually I'm like, I've got to get to the end of the chapter. I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Now I use the block of time and I stop, even if it's painful. But it's fine because I know that I have multiple time blocks for different uh, projects and different things I'm producing. So even though people who are highly focused usually can only have one goal, because my goal is more products, more books, more production, I am able to open more book tabs or more project tabs. And um, I just do whatever I can do in that time block. So every morning, seven till eight, I write for one hour, new words only. Um, when I get to the end of that hour, I stop regardless of it. I'm in the middle of a sentence, which is really hard for some people to stop, but I just stop because I know I'm coming back to it the next day. I know I'm going to get more time on that. So it's okay to stop. And then like I have an audiobook recording slot straight afterwards. Well, um, I only record for that amount of time. If I don't get it finished, I don't get it finished. Uh, but that's okay because I'm coming back tomorrow to do more production, you know. And then I have an editing block. So I'm going to be editing whatever book in that block. And it has just having the right goal that is aligned with your values and aligned truly with the thing that you want and also aligned with your strengths, I think changes your mindset around how you're using your time. I'm not really doing anything different, but it having the right goal and having that shift internally has changed how I feel about the time. And now I feel like I'm productive in a way that I never was before. So like, I know you guys talk about mindset all the time, but it's so important. <laughs> and so, like, right? And when you when you have these revelations, and when you are working towards the goals that are most important, and they are the things that your soul yearns for, all of a sudden, everything else falls away. It does, yeah, it does. And then it's just easier to get stuff done. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, before, you know, the thing that I'm doing, uh, which I'm very fortunate to be in the position to do is I have finally got to the point where I can start outsourcing things. But it took me a very long time to get here. Um, you know, and until you are at that point, you have to have a very, very frank conversation with yourself about what you need to cut out. And it's pot calling the kettle black, but it is true. It is. And making those sacrifices and deciding what to cut out is one of the hardest things to do, I think. Yes, it but, is. But it's imperative. It's the main way to get shit done. Exactly. And more than anything, like money follows production. 
you will not make this a full-time career without a huge backlist. Well, not huge necessarily, but without a backlist of products, courses, audiobooks, books, whatever. You need more. And that's not to say you have to rapid release anything or any of that bullshit. You just need to work at the pace that you can work at and focus on creating more. Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing. Like I speak to people who still think that one book or one series is going to change their life or their goal is to just publish this one great series. But it doesn't matter how long you've been writing, everything you write will be an improvement on the last thing and will teach you something different. Like The Ghost Call taught me all about world building, because even though I kind of did my own version of Hollywood for the what happens in Hollywood universe, it's nowhere near the same as coming up with my own ghost lore, you know? Mm -hmm. I've got one of those. The yellow. I've got one with a yellow cover over there. Hollywood gossip. I think I've got. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's behind me somewhere as well. I, weirdly, yeah. I hate the cover yellow, and I have at least three book covers that are yellow. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I, just, it is. I, don't, I'm like, I hate red on a cover. <laughs> I've got red and you've on got my red on your head. <laughs> I know, right? I hope you enjoyed that little excerpt from the episode there. If you're enjoying The Writer's Mindset, make sure you check out our merch. As you can tell, I'm covered in it. And we'll see you for our usual schedule back in May. Keep writing!